0: Hello and welcome to this episode of The Fool. I'm your host Chris Almador. This podcast is a tribute to the people I've met along my journey and to their stories. I've learned a lot from all of them, and I'm really grateful. This conversation is with Doctor Umberto Costenza. I am honored to be able to call him Beto. He was born and raised in Honduras and came to the U.S. at the age of 16 to attend university. You heard correctly, 16. He earned his Ph.D. in the field of immunology and spent his early career at a research institute in Switzerland, working with a number of future Nobel laureates. You will hear stories about science at the highest level and about a pivotal choice he made that changed the course of his life. We also obviously talk about the coronavirus and the vaccines, and he explains in detail how our immune system works. We touch on U.S. politics and more. This was a humbling conversation, and I'm grateful for how much I learned. And so it begins.
1: So, you should, and I'll answer.
0: Yeah, I think that this is obviously a huge thing that's happened with the coronavirus and how much it's shaken the world and how it's transformed the world. But before we get into that, I wanted to wish you a happy belated birthday. You got to spend time with your family.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we went to the lake with Gabriel and the family. Beautiful place. Nice. We've been locked in since March, more or less, of last year. But, you know, my house is, we've got plenty of uh, green stuff around, so yeah. I do not feel like I'm in prison, you know, as if uh, you guys, too. When, when you're in an apartment, the situation is it's a bit more difficult. Yes. Uh, but, but, uh, but, you know, I'm running the business from home with computers, you know, and mm. we have a business in five countries, so...
2: Yeah, Before, I used
1: to get on a plane and, and go spend two days here, one day there, all rush. Mm-hmm. I'm finding that this type of uh, communication now is much, much better.
0: It's better for your health as well, because you're not having to get up
1: and, and sure. travel
0: all the time. Yeah,
1: sure, yeah. sure. But at the same time, I mean, I used to meet with them once every two, three months. Now I can meet with them every day if I every want to. Every day,
2: yeah.
1: All you need is talk and and, and and tell stories and how things are going. So. It's a much more easygoing type of platform.
0: For sure. And and you're able to spend more time with the family, you're able to cook more. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's here to stay, I think. It's probably one of the good things that will come out of this pandemic.
0: I I hope so. I really, really hope so. I really do. But you mentioned your company, uh, AgroBiotech. Right. Yeah. uh, So it started in uh, Tegucigalpa.
1: Well, you know, I... When I decided to come back from, from Switzerland, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you know, but I I actually was in, in basic immunology research for about 20 years. Right. And uh, my last stop was at the Basel Institute of Immunology in Basel, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went there for two years and I wound up staying almost five, six. Wow. Nice. And uh, so uh, it got to a point, uh, Gabriel, my son, was born in Switzerland. mm mm-hmm. And uh, I had to make a decision because, you know, I couldn't see, and, and I knew that, uh, you know, my, my, my wife Adrian was diabetic, so we could only have one child. So I had to make a tough decision on whether to stay in Switzerland the rest of my life or, or in, in uh, academics at that competitive level. You know, this institute uh, in 10 years, it generated three Nobel prizes. And uh, and I, I I was there all those things. I was the only Latin American in in, in and we were fifteen immunologists. So wow, it was it was a tough decision, you know. So but when I realized that I had only one son, and if I didn't come back, uh, my grandfather that came from Italy, my father that worked to educate us, mm-hmm. uh, had a patrimony that I think you know it, it had to be respected, right. So right. I made the decision to come back. I mean, I had a, a two-year permission. I could come back. But mm-hmm. then once I got back to, to, to my home country, I got contaminated again, you know, so.
0: <laughs> it's a funny way to put that. In a good way. You know? So good I way. decided
1: to stay. And, yeah. uh, and when Gabriel decided to go to agricultural school
2: mm-hmm.
1: and got his PhD in food microbiology, uh, I, I said, "Well, I came back for him, so I have to start a business that he can inherit." Right. No, so I just started. I and we specialize in food safety, which is a big thing now.
0: Yeah. No, I, I identify with your uh, your infection as you referred to it coming back home because I've been all over the world myself. Not you know not every place. I haven't lived in too many places, yeah. but but uh, I always end up coming back to the Northeast. I just. There's something right. about the Northeast. It's just it's attractive to me, you know. Sure. It's, it's home sure. for me, you know. That's so right. I understand that. So how did you get your company to go from just being in Honduras to throughout Latin America?
1: Well, you know, when I decided to, I took the decision in 1995 when I started mm-hmm. the company. But Gabriel was already getting his studies. So in 95, I decided to start an agrobiotech. And coming from immunology, which was my, which is my my specialty field, mm-hmm. uh, I started to think, well, what can I do uh, at the private level with my immunology training? Mm-hmm. So I decided to set up Agrobiotech, and we started it by working with the poultry industry. Mm-hmm. The poultry industry has, uh, you know, it's a, the chickens are very susceptible to viruses. Mm-hmm. So the poultry industry must vaccinate to be able to to get uh, the chicken, not to die from the infections. And most of them are viral infections. So I I didn't know anything about, uh, you know, chicken viruses. But to me, uh, viruses are something that stimulates the immune system. Mm -hmm. So I, I studied the virus. Every virus is different, you know. Uh, therefore they they stimulate an immune response in different ways and uh, sometimes just antibodies sometimes just cellular responses so I, I proposed to the poultry industry that i would set up a program preventive program in which i would be able to tell them uh, you, okay you vaccinate but did you immunize you know yeah. vaccination is, is just the process of injecting you
0: right
1: but but that process and deriving two things, you can be immunized. That means that the immune system got well uh, stimulated and gave a response or not. And the poultry industry, since they have so many uh, chickens, most of the time uh, the prevalent way of vaccinating the chicken is putting the virus in a spray so they just inhale it. Mm. So obviously, some chickens will get vaccinated very well and some chickens will not get vaccinated very well. Mm. Right. Okay, or, or they put it in the water too. So the chickens that drink water right away when the virus is live get vaccinated very well. But the ones that drink water two, three hours later no. would have to would have to drink a gallon of water to get the same amount of viruses. Wow. So the, the fact that you vaccinate, and this is true for the, for the coronavirus,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, people are getting vaccinated, but are they immunized? No. And they probably are. They probably are, but some of them will be better immunized than others. Right. So you would have to have a way of being able to tell people, well, by this standards, which is only antibodies, because that's the only thing we can measure easily.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You'll be able to tell them, well, if your anti- le- antibody levels go beyond a, a, a mark or a, a quantity that is associated with protection, if mm-hmm. you're here, then you probably are not protected. Right. It's see, funny so, you should mention that because
0: uh-huh. I, I read an article today that there's 23 people in Norway that were vaccinated and they still end up dying from the virus.
1: Oh, yes. Well, th- that happens not only with yeah. vaccine, but all, all, all the other viruses also. Well, um, my question would be, well, they got vaccinated, but did they get immunized?
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that, see, that's what I mean. The, the, the Well, when you, if you don't handle the the vaccine well, and these two vaccines right now, because of their necessity to be handled at temperature solo, obviously the ones that get vaccinated first with that little lot will get a much better vaccination than the ones that are being vaccinated at the end of that shot or that vial.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, people will handle the vial. Remember that when the companies say these are the rules of the game,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they are getting, they define the rules of the game under the best control conditions of a laboratory. Right, right. And
0: okay,
1: that's what you so, have to focus on, right? Yeah, I see. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the technician goes to the freezer, takes out the vaccine, handles it perfectly. But when you're in a hospital and you got 10,000 people running around, that, that, that handling of the vaccine is not perfect.
0: Right, and it must okay. be perfect the first round. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. So, so,
1: yeah. um, the, why do you need two doses? Is all, uh, another interesting question.
0: Yeah, why do you need to, <laughs> why do you need two doses?
1: Well, usually, uh, you know, uh, if I could define in the most simplest term, uh, what is the what is what is what is vaccination? Mm-hmm. Vaccination is 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 you trying to to make the immune system believe that you are looking at the virus when you're not looking at the virus. You're looking at a way of handling the virus so you can vaccinate. Mm -hmm. So the role of immunization is to protect you, to induce an immune response, but not to make you sick. Right, yeah. Usually people say, well, I got vaccinated, I got a fever, I got redness, I feel uncomfortable. So the 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 purpose of the vaccination is to is to be able to uh, make the immune be- the immune system believe that it's the real virus. Right. So the vaccination, if it mimics the virus very well, is a good vaccination. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because there's no better immunization than the <laughs> than the infection itself. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think. Uh, I'm really surprised because I expected a lot more emphasis from the scientific community on the fact that we have almost now a hundred million people infected yeah. around yeah. the world. Okay. Yeah. So that means that and a small portion of those hundred million have died. And in other words, the virus is a, not, I would say by, by other standards, not such a lethal virus it affects people that are you know that are old of preconditions and so on and so forth but the the healthy people uh, the 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 lethality of the virus is very low
0: yeah when you mean so, by healthy people who uh, uh, who are physically active take
1: vitamins who don't, who don't have any preconditions you know yeah uh, they're not allergic. They don't. They don't have heart problems or overweight and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. In those people, the virus is not too lethal, which is not the case, for example, for the polio virus. It affects everybody the same. Yeah, and if that's it making a them, comeback as well, isn't it? In some parts of the of the African continent, I think, but in most part of the world it has been, it's been, yeah, say. So to me, it's very important to differentiate what is infection from disease, okay? We get infected every day, but we don't get sick every day. Right. And the reason for that is because we have an immune system that defends us. You cannot live without an immune system. That's the only thing that you cannot live without. You can live without a heart, you put a machine, lungs, you put a machine, but you can't live without an immune system. So what happens is people don't differentiate between infection and disease. You have hundred million people infected with the virus. But up to now, I haven't read in the literature, uh, scientific literature, person that get reinfected and get sick, mm. that you have reinfection. Of course you would have reinfections because once you get in reinfected once, you don't go and change your environment. You'll be circulating in the same environment that the people that are not infected are also circulating. Mm. So your chances of being, be, being reinfected are the same as somebody that is not infected, okay. because they mix in, in, the, in the population. But the important thing is not that you get reinfected, because if you get reinfected, you're getting your second dose of the vaccine. The natural infection, I, I repeat, is the best way of you getting immune. Yeah. So when you look at hundred million people and there are no reports of people that get reinfected and get sick again, and they go to the hospital, there are no reports of those. Yeah. So to me, the virus is inducing an, a, an immunity, a very good lasting immunity.
2: Yeah.
1: And it would be very hard for me to think that a vaccine can remedy the virus better than itself. Mm. In inducing an immune response okay
0: but you, but you're not encouraging to go find people who have the virus and get infected on purpose you're you're just saying that it's nature it's nature yeah, right yeah. You,
1: can't yeah. Yeah. you can't avoid you it you can't avoid people getting reinfected once you can not avoid getting people infected once or reinfected twice or reinfected three times right. you can they, it will they will it will happen so mm. but when I look at that and I say, well, of 100 million people, how many of those could have been reinfected? I would say, well, let's say, let's say 1 million only got reinfected.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And out of those 1 million that got reinfected, nobody gets sick again. Yeah. You don't wind up in a hospital. So, what does that tell you? That people that are infected, if they get reinfected, they're protected, which is exactly what you're trying to do with the vaccine. Right. You're trying to induce the infection, but not the disease, and mm. protect you. See, mm. so when you see the virus, real virus, you already have an immune response ready to face it, right? And neutralize it. You know?
0: There's a, a fan and a friend of mine um, that I communicate with uh, through email. She had the virus a couple months ago, and she's still having the residual effects from the virus. Like she still gets headaches. She still gets other like a like tension in her neck and stuff like that what is that just something that's just not going to leave her
1: body or is are just something else Wait, that happens with all viruses okay that happens mm-hmm. with all infections i mean we i don't care i don't care what you get infected with the, the problem with this virus is that the when a virus goes into a cell it goes into certain types of cells and why because only certain types of cells have receptors for that virus, mm. okay? The virus are very picky as to the cells they infect. For example, the poliovirus that gives you poliomyelitis doesn't infect your skin cells, your heart cells, no. It affects the central nervous system cells because it does have receptors for the virus, okay? Mm. The problem with this virus is that the cell receptor that it needs to penetrate the cell, is found in many tissues. Okay. Okay. And to, so if, it, if it's got a receptor, the virus will go in. So, for example, heart cells have an AC2 receptor that, that this virus needs. And oh. lung cells also. So the, the aftermath of the infection depends on where the virus puts, you know, an accelerator and infects a lot of cells in different organs.
0: And that's why it attacks the lungs quite a bit. Exactly. You you always hear people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: right, right. So, Mm. you know, all infections give you some kind of sequel of of what, you know, you'll feel some people, more than others, will have, Mm. you know, other things going wrong in their body because, you know, the way when you get infected and you get sick from the infection, your body feels it Mm. and it accumulates in life, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if uh, Salome told you this, but when I when I first moved in with her in the city, we got whooping cough. She got a, uh, um, a vaccination against the flu because she's working with um, hospice patients, so she had to get a vaccination. And two weeks later, she ended up, she ended up getting whooping cough.
1: Oh yes, yes. Well, yeah. the, you get a vaccine for that, but people refuse the vaccine. Yeah, yeah. That, that in the, in the state there has been a problem. There have been. Uh, several places where whooping cough has come back.
0: It, it was just so weird because I've, I've never been sick like that before in my life. Oh yeah.
1: No, you don't want
0: <laughs> no. that. And we, we ended up having it for almost two months and it got to the point where we couldn't eat we, right. because we just kept coughing and coughing. So I juiced some, some veggies up and we drank that and we ended up being okay. Two days later. Yeah. You know, it was just weird yeah. because we tried medication, we tried different things, but nothing worked except for like fresh veggies. Yeah, So this yeah. does, that does give credence to being healthy as, as a part of one of the best ways to adapt to this virus.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, this is another thing that people uh, sometimes is more, you know, I, I say is, it's science is not religion. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. you have to, you have to differentiate one from the other. You know, I'm very, I'm religious and, and I have mm-hmm. faith in things. Yes. But when it comes to science, I don't. You know, it's science or or not. Yeah. Uh, so in in this case, you have to be able to to differentiate what is what is science reality than than what you think reality should be. You know, and. Unfortunately, uh, your president Trump doesn't differentiate one from the other. Oh,
0: yeah, I, I <laughs> so, cannot. So,
1: so the the science, yeah. the science part of it is being so badly degraded in the U.S. There are people that don't believe in science. I mean, I can't believe that people say they don't want to get vaccinated. Like, I, it, it doesn't. It goes <laughs> against all all the immunology that I know. Right. You know, vaccines protect you. Period. Yeah. And that if you immunize 1 million people, maybe 10, 20, 30 people will have a bad reaction. Yes. That happens with the normal infection too. It doesn't happen just with the vaccine, of course. But if you put the emphasis on the negative and you tell people and the lies become truth, which is what's happened in the US, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's a, you know, it's, to me, quite, quite amazing to see what's happening in the U.S. now and, and connected to the scientific side of it. You know, I, 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 well, I can't believe uh, that, that, that you had a president that knew that this virus was bad virus way back in March and April and didn't confront that reality and, and faced it. And mm-hmm. because of that, and not only him, of course, but the whole system, you have 400,000 people dead. Yeah. Which is amazing to me, you
0: know. Uh, you know, you know, Beto. I, if you told me of back in pre-corona that Trump was going to lose, I would say you're you're, you're nuts because the exactly. poll numbers in the, in the the poll numbers in the U.S. were sky high for Trump. Yes, yes. The, the, the corona showed him who he really is. That's
1: right. You know,
0: and right. I'm so happy that he's leaving. I'm thrilled that he's leaving. But for me, mm-hmm. it's like. Salami was telling me that you you were because you you were educated in the states and everything. Your son came here to the states to be educated. Um, you've been a great admirer of the states. What's it like for you to see where the country is now from where, from how you grew up? What, I mean, to see what happened on the Capitol, the Capitol riots. What was it like? Yes, for
1: you? well, you know, I I, <laughs> I graduated from high school at 15, so I went to the states for my freshman year in college when I was 16. Oh yeah, and, and I left the states when I was 30. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Switzerland for six years. So I left Honduras when I was 15 and I came back when I was 33. Mm-hmm. So I, I got I got to live in the States and and did by chance I did my postdoc uh, my postdoctorate at the University of Chicago mm-hmm. in 1969 when the the the, the, the whole you know, uh, hippie revolution was going on and mm-hmm. and Vietnam was was at its best. Um, and the people in Selma were, were getting bitten by dogs. Yeah. You know, and the whole, right. the whole you know, uh, Martin Luther King mm-hmm. getting, being, seeing the Kennedy's killed, Martin Luther King killed, Malcolm X killed and everything. You know, I, I lived all that, all that in the States. But it was not until Vietnam that I felt that, they to, that the U.S. was beginning to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. And I, at the time, I thought that it would be, it was going to be almost impossible for the U.S. to get back from Vietnam and all the division that that caused. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was wrong. And the U.S. not only, you know, has... Relations with Vietnam now, which to me, is amazing that they have relations with Vietnam where people were being palmed and, and killed by the US, bombed, and everything. They have now relations with, well, with Vietnam, but they don't have relations with Cuba. They've never done anything to the US. I, I don't understand that.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. I don't. And, and, and the Cubans were never as communist as the, North, as the Vietnamese. We still mm-hmm. have a, a very repressive regime, even though they have yeah. you know they've they become accepted by the US. So what's happening now is totally different because at that time the, the, the cancer was Vietnam. Now right. the cancer is within the state.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay, so yeah. so you have it there to live you have to live with it. And unless the US as a whole accept that slavery was a sin and you did many bad things there and many people in government agreed with, with, with slavery for a long time. It was the source of the whole South of the U.S. slavery. Without slavery, the South couldn't make it. So that is yeah. that being racist and, being, and looking at, at Blacks as, as slaves is still in the generations of uh, uh, many yeah. people. Uh, you have to accept that. And unless you accept that and realize that those people are, are at a great disadvantage yeah. of coming up in life, so they deserve some type of, not retribution, but, uh, you know, make him go to good schools, give him health. Yeah, exactly. Basic yeah. things that they need to be able to as you know, one day life go to back college, together. right? Yeah.
0: Right.
1: So, so that thing is changing. You know, in my in my point of view, I think Biden is the right president for you right now. Mm-hmm. In his last speech, it 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 impressed me. He looks like uh, like a Santa Claus compared to <laughs> Trump. I oh mean, my God! It 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 brings peace to you when he talks and he says. He's not recriminating anybody. He's not insulting anybody. He's just saying, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have to look at this virus thing and we're going to make a plan to attack the virus like it should yeah. have been done a long time ago and get the whole country yes. behind it. If the U.S. gets its act together, they can vaccinate people very fast. You know, that's another thing that, that amazes me. Uh, Honduras has the best vaccination percentage of the whole Latin America, the whole American continent. Are you responsible for that? that it's is one of the best national programs in, 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 in the whole Latin America. We vaccinate 98% of our children. Wow. Nice. It's amazing. So nice. we have this the infrastructure, which you don't have, because yeah. we take the vaccine to the people. You don't, you do it backwards. People have to go look for the vaccine. So you don't have the infrastructure, the social infrastructure to be able to get the vaccine to the people efficiently. We do, it's amazing. In that, we beat you because you don't have a, a, a we don't, you don't have a preventive medicine approach. You have a no. sickness approach. You have excellent hospital. But you don't have the the basic health, social health, that you need to be able to vaccinate people and and prevent diseases. So your emphasis in the U.S., because of the technology and everything, is not in prevention. It's in curing diseases. So when you have a pandemic like this, it doesn't do any good to be able to have very good hospitals. No, you need to have the infrastructure to get the vaccine to the people. And you don't have that infrastructure. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. Well, you, you, they say, well, we'll put it in Walmart, we'll put it in CVS, but people have to go there. And they have to stay in line, and they don't like staying in line. So we have the infrastructure where people take the vaccine to the people's houses. So you yeah. take the vaccine to the people, not the other way around. So that's why it will take you a good part of this year to be able to vaccinate the amount of people that you need to be able to, to stop the virus by having herd immunity. It won't I be mean,
0: I I, 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 so, I so want to be like you one day where I find the balance between science and religion because I, I grew up a, a Baptist in the States. Yeah. And, um, you know, science was actually frowned upon that we were encouraged not to learn about uh, evolution, to not learn about, uh, well, science, you know, basic science stuff. Like the world was was created 7,000 years ago. That's the kind of belief that we, you know, I was raised to believe. Obviously I don't believe that anymore. I believe in evolution. I just think that people in the States are stuck in a tale mentality and like, everything's going to be okay. The president will take care of it. You know, that the person who's crying by themselves, they'll, they'll, they'll find help. It's like, how do you know that unless you ask questions? You know, how do you know that until and, and you start talking and listening to people and stuff, so. No,
1: that's, that, that's what I say, that's what I say when I, when I talk to people, right? it's, it's science, it's not religion, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in other words, it's scientific, you have to have proof. Mm-hmm. you, you it's science, you take, you take steps in, in, when you look at the evidence, not what you think it should be, but what the evidence says. You know, but uh, uh, Professor Yerne in, in Basel, who was a Nobel Prize in 1984 from Basel, used to tell me, Humberto, you have, to think in t- you have to think of doing 10 experiments to get the right answer. The one answer, you have to do 10 experiments. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, but which one of the 10 would tell you the answer? <laughs> he said, that's exactly it. you have to. To be able to get the answer, you have to approach the problem 10 different ways with 10 different protocol, and one of them will work. The, rest, the majority will fail. And that's the way it is in science. It's a deductive process, okay? Mm-hmm. And when you don't know, because I was, a, a, I was in a field of immunology where I could not go to a book and, 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 and read how to make the experiment because that experiment had never been done before. Mm-hmm. It's the closest thing that I, as a scientist, I felt like uh, you know a woman feels when she gives birth. Mm. It's, right. it's something that doesn't exist before. You have right. to create it. Okay, so you do the experiment with the with the hypothesis in mind and put it to prove.
0: When you create something, do you feel like uh you need a like a, a toast of whiskey to, to celebrate, or how does it feel for you? <laughs>
1: Good, you know, it's, it's amazing because uh, what what if I could? Because I, you know, I published a lot of papers, fifty, eighty papers, I remember, in scientific journal. But the one thing that I remember the most is uh, the system and, and the scientific system. Because when I made my scientific contribution, you know, for which I was recognized, when I was uh, twenty seven.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow,
1: I was 27 when I when I made that contribution. I published a paper in Science and Nature. That, looking back now, well, I'm 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 extrapolating, you know, 50 years later. It was the, one of the first papers that pointed to the fact that the immune system works because it recognizes itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, it sounds like a, like a philosophical problem, but when I, went, when I learned immunology, I was taught that the a, immune system diversify.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In other words, to be able to, to respond to viruses that don't exist, how does the immune system recognize a virus that never existed before, the coronavirus? Mm-hmm. How?
0: Right,
1: right. I mean, so it means I was taught that the immune system reacted and at the time that he saw the virus. So the virus educated the immune system. That's Mm -hmm. what I was told. Right. But my my experiments were one of the first ones that said, no, that's not correct. The immune system has the ability to recognize that virus before he sees the virus. How does it do that? Recognizing your own self, because your, your tissues have a lot of antigens, which is what the immune system recognizes. Mm -hmm. And by diversifying, seeing what is yours, it can differentiate what is not yours. So it gets educated to recognize, but not to react to your own body, Mm -hmm. but it recognizes it. It doesn't react and attacks it. And the majority of the time, we do have some autoimmune uh, diseases, where the immune system destroys uh, the body. But in the great majority of the cases, it doesn't. So Mm -hmm. the immune system recognizes what is self from what is not self by recognizing first. And it makes sense. I mean, how could you recognize me as being different than you if you don't recognize yourself first?
0: That is a philosophical question, isn't it?
1: Yes, yes, (laughs) that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So the immune system is so diverse, Well, I'll give you an example. A scientist from Germany thought of an experiment. And he says, I'm going to try to see what is the capacity of the immune system to recognize a molecule that doesn't exist in nature. Mm. I mean, doesn't exist in nature. So he Mm. went to the lab and he made that molecule. Wow. He invented a molecule that doesn't exist in nature. And then he took that molecule and injected it into a rabbit. And you know what? The rabbit made antibodies to the molecule. That doesn't exist in nature. So why the hell would the immune system have the capacity to recognize something that, will, that the person will never see in his life because it doesn't exist in nature? It's got that potential. Okay. Uh-huh. So you have in your body 10 to the 12th. Okay. 10 to the sixth is 1 million. 10 to the seventh is 10 million. 10 to the 8 is 100 million. The immune system has 10 to the 12 clones. You have 10 to the 12 clones in your body. Each one of those clones recognizes a different structure. Okay? Mm-hmm. Before you see it. So how can, how can, you, how can you make a molecule... When you have the capacity of of detecting 10 to the 12 different molecules, Mm -hmm. you cannot do it because what the immune system recognizes is spatial structure, electron clouds. Mm -hmm. It it, it recognizes shapes. It doesn't recognize uh, the structure, the chemical structure. It's like, for example, it recognizes the shape of a nose different than another one.
2: Right.
1: It doesn't recognize the nose, it recognizes the shape. Mm. So the, the capacity of the immune system to recognize something is infinite. Mm-hmm. So the immune system has the capacity of reacting before it sees the, the, the infectious agent in this case. That's why when the when the when the coronavirus came, the immune system had the ability to, to react to it. Mm. I mean, some people died, some people died, but the majority of the people get immune by, by the infection.
2: Wow.
1: Well, the same thing, you know, when the Spaniards came to our continent, they brought a whole lot of diseases because, by the way, I mean, the people that would get on a ship, not knowing where they were going to go,
2: mm-hmm.
1: were not rich people. These people were the people that were in jail, bro, and they told them, listen, if you go to America, you you get uh, the shortest sentence. And the same thing with the people that went to Australia. Most of them were people, you know, they, they wanted to get rid of them. Yeah.
0: Prisoners.
1: Or they were adventurers. Yeah. They were yeah. adventurers. Uh, nobody yeah. from the high society of Europe will get on a ship to America, not knowing whether they'll go yeah. anywhere. No. no. Yes. So when these people came here, they brought a lot of diseases, but you know, a lot of people die, but n- not all of them. Mm-hmm. Most of them wow. got, you know, an immune system that recognized the viruses that they never seen before or the bacteria, and they survive.
0: It's it's funny. You make me want to be an immunologist. You really do. It sounds so fascinating and and, and just like there's it's never ending.
1: No, no. I mean, listen. Yeah. Uh, you you produce every day about a hundred million immune cells. Mm-hmm whether you need them or not, okay? Mm -hmm. So I differentiate between what I say is the potential of the immune system, okay? Mm -hmm. The the potential that the immune system has and the potential of that that you use in your lifetime is about one-tenth. In other words, your immune system defends you from what you see in your environment that you're in. Mm-hmm. Okay but if you go to another country and you find something else that that you it was not present in your environment you already have the capacity to recognize it even though you have never seen it before you how could we have had coronavirus in in in, in our countries if the airplanes didn't exist
3: mm-hmm.
1: right right it would it exactly. would have stayed in china so if we didn't have the planes then the virus would never have got here what it did and when it did the immune system already had this capacity to recognize it and fight it it's yeah. amazing it has it has yeah. an infinite potential to recognize anything
0: i can see why it was very difficult for you to leave basel because here you are you're working with nobel laureates and you and you're doing what you love to do in a beautiful environment
1: well let me see yes yes but at the same time, you know, people look at science and uh, science is, is done by humans. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the persons that, that competed with me, there were about eight of us, I would say, I'm talking about 1975 to 83. Mm-hmm. At that time, in my field, what in my field was in immunology was this small. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do science at that level and think universally no you have to focus on the little thing that you're trying to do so your universe in 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 that respect is very small you're very good at one small thing because you can't you know you can't uh, look at 10 things and be specialist in 10 things No, you have to concentrate on one
2: yes yeah
1: so so it doesn't work so what happened is you you you're in that small world Ten people, I would say ten people were working on, on, competed with me, I would say, in trying to get the right answer. And one of them now is, is, is a member of the Nobel Committee that gives the Nobel Prize, which is the Karolinska Institute in Sweden. Well, I would just mention his first name. Uh, we had a meeting once and he had a postdoctoral fellow in his lab that had come and published a paper That was significant. Many papers are not significant, but there are, when you're in your field, you realize when somebody publishes something, that is a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And a postdoc in his lab published a paper that was a breakthrough. And then people notice it, obviously. And the first thing that science demands is that for something to be true, it has to be repeated. And not just by you, but other people in other labs.
2: So, yeah, has what, to
1: do it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if it's true yeah. <laughs> and only you can do it, then it's not true. I mean, it has to be put to the test. So, what yeah. happened? He published this, this paper, which was important, came from his lab, and then people couldn't repeat it in their labs. So they said, "Could you please? Uh, I would send one of my fellows to your lab, and you teach him how to do it." And people began to do that. They sent people to his lab to be able to repeat his experiment in his lab. And they couldn't. They couldn't. So, and it got, the word got around. So people said, no, it's not true. It can be repeated. It's not true. So we were having a a meeting. There were 10 of us in in the south of France in an old castle with wine and everything. And I, I, mm-hmm. I had too many drinks and I went to, up to him and I said, listen, if I publish something and people came to my lab to learn how to do that experiment and repeat it, and I couldn't do it, I would worry mm-hmm. that whatever I publish is true.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he looked at me and he said, Umberto, in science, it's better to be first than to be right. What? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And it's true. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, people, do you know how? you know the story about the discovery of the AIDS virus? I'm familiar with it, but... Okay, I mean, well, Luc Montagnier was the first one to yeah. isolate a virus that he thought was the AIDS virus. mm mm-hmm. But Luc Montagnier was working at the Pasteur Institute in a very small lab. It was him and two or three other people. The big gun in AIDS was somebody at the National Institute of Health in, in the U.S. So Montagnier took his virus that he didn't know, but he wasn't sure that it was <laughs> AIDS, and sent it to the NIH, to his other competitor, for him to look at it. And a few days later, he got an answer saying, amazing, the virus that you sent me is exactly the same virus that I just isolated. Mm -hmm. And it is the HIV virus. So I'll tell you something, let us publish papers at the same time so that we both get the recognition for being the first ones to discover the virus.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And Montagnier said, okay, so the paper was published at the same time. This is true. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened after that? What happened? People began to isolate HIV virus in other parts of the world when the technique was already published and you know how to isolate the virus. And up to this day, nobody has isolated two HIV virus that are identical. Really? <laughs> yes, Wow. So it was discovered that the U.S., the, the, the scientists at the NIH had stolen the virus the, from the French. Wow. That is true. Wow. That happens in science at that level. But the one that really, really made a dent on me was that, in, in, I think it was 19, let say, 1968. You know,
2: mm-hmm. It
1: was a, my first scientific conference. I went with my with my um, uh, PhD advisor, to a conference in, in, in California. It was 68, because there, there was a Czech scientist in the lab. And at that time, it was when the Russians invaded Czechoslovakia. Mm-hmm. And he got really depressed. Uh, Stursel, Stanislav Sturzel was his name. So I was, you know, I, uh, at that time, I was 20, 23. 22, 23. So there was in one hotel room, uh, all these people got together and and began to drink. And there was a fellow there, I won't mention his name, which was a, a known immunologist that every time I picked up a journal to read immunology, there were at least 10 or 15 papers with his name on, on one journal. So I went, I went to 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 talk to him because you know, but was very curious. And I, I said, the Doctor so and so, I I wonder how 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 can you publish twelve papers in 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 one journal in one month? And he says, Oh, very simple. He says, I, I have close to seventy postdoctoral people working in my lab. Seventy. Wow. And then he says, uh, I said, okay. But my question was more is, are you publishing 12 papers a month? Do you know what what each one of those papers is about? You know, because you're publishing a lot. I mean, you know, are you sure? He has 70 uh, postdocs. Do you know for sure what each one of those postdocs is trying to do and publish? when the main reason for publishing is, you publish or you perish. So you have mm-hmm. it long, a lot of pressure to be able to publish. So mm-hmm. in, within those 70 people that he has working with him, all, who need, all he needs is one that is not honest and publishes something that is made up. The possibility exists. So it took my attention. So I, I said to him, how can you publish so many papers? He said, "You know, I sleep only three hours a night. I read all those papers. Ta 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 ta." I was impressed. Well, wow. this guy, this guy, at that time was, a, a, I think, at the University of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Then he got to be head of the Sloan-Kettering Institute in New York. Mm-hmm. Not only that, he was published as Man of the Year by Time Magazine. Wow, he was at that level. Okay. Okay, so this is nineteen seventy-six, seventy-seven. Now, and I'm, uh, now I'm at the Basel Institute for Immunology, and I, I work with a scientist, a scientist from Romania. And Andrei comes to me. He says, Umberto, there is somebody. Give, uh, Basel was uh, in the middle of Europe, and Basel was an institute financed by Hoffmann La Roche. So it was an institute that had a budget at that time of $20 million, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to, and Professor Yerner was, was the, 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 the head of the institute, and when he founded the institute, he told Roach, give me $20 million, but you don't tell me what to do. I will do science, what I think is good. Mm-hmm. So he got 50 people that we, we would come there, and I was coming from the University of Chicago, where I had to get my own money to do my own research. Ooh. So I had to write my grants. I had to, to get the money from the NIH and ta-ta-ta. And Basel attracted me because it, they told me, you tell us what you need and we'll give it to you. And you don't have to write anything to, to justify what you need. Wow. So for me, for me well, that's the reason we, it generated three, premier, three Nobel Prizes in 10 years. Mm -hmm. People got there, and and it was free. It was free. It was an experiment in science that I don't think it it ever be repeated. Mm -hmm. The the Institute doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't? No. Once Roche decided that it was not, well, science at that time uh, was different. You didn't patent things. You published things. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, people began to say, well, if, if I can make money with this, I will patent it first and then publish it. And, and that changed his,
2: everything.
1: Yeah, changed everything exactly. Yeah. So, Royce tried to get people to to start doing things and research that is applied research for, for money. He only thought that research didn't have to be applied. They had basic science, from which comes the applied science. Right. And most of the things that you do in basic science obviously fail because you have to do ten experiments to get one right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, go back to the 10 to 1 thing.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm glad you brought up the AIDS. Um, you brought up AIDS because even though I said to myself, like, oh, somehow we're going to handle this corona situation, but then I had a thought back to how we handled the AIDS epidemic. And we really failed in handling that because we had no clue how or what, you know, no understanding of the AIDS virus. And people started beating other people up because they thought it was a gay related disease. Obviously that wasn't the case, but based on that, I thought, yeah, we're not going to handle this corona situation. Well, from your point of view, we, we didn't handle the situation. Well, did
1: we? Handle the situation for, 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 corona. for AIDS. For AIDS. Great. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the stigma that goes along with AIDS, obviously, uh, uh it had to do with the fact that it was that it was prevalent in the in the in the developed world, in in the gay population.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but for example, uh, in Honduras, the, the the AIDS epidemic was never homosexual. In Honduras, the 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 conflict with Nicaragua and the Contras at that time
2: mm-hmm.
1: was around 1979. Mm-hmm. And Honduras, the president of Honduras at that time lended part of our territory to the U.S. to attack Nicaragua. So in one of the main uh, airports, military airports at that time, the U.S. used as a a focal point to have uh, U.S. military present there. Mm -hmm. So uh, they came here and they brought HIV. We didn't know. Mm. Because the first test that you could detect, people infected with HIV, was not in the market until 1985. Wow. So from 79 to 1985, the U.S. was replacing all this military here all along, every six months. And what happened? All the prostitutes went to that area. So they got infected with the virus. Okay. So Honduras, at that time, was the, the epidemic was was in Honduras? Honduras had many more cases of AIDS than the rest of the Central American countries. Wow. And we're we're different, but we're not that different. So yeah. we say why why Honduras? I mean, you know, and they say well because Honduras has more people uh, in in the in the ship uh, as as sailors going around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this was an explosion practically. So we had many more cases. So what can I say, uh, you didn't handle it right because that, that thing, I mean, we didn't know yeah. but the, the disease was there because the yeah. first case was around 1970, I remember, in the states. So a long time went on and people got infected before we could tell they were infected. Mm-hmm. This is the amazing thing about the coronavirus, that the technology has improved so much in, in biology in biosciences in general, that we were able to have a test to detect coronaviruses almost immediately, immediately actually, Mm -hmm. that we were able to decipher the the genetic map of the coronavirus within two weeks after the Chinese got it, Mm -hmm. and that we were able to make a vaccine in practically six months, four months, we had a vaccine. It hadn't been tested yet. But the vaccines were, are, are developed, all kinds of them, yeah. in such a short time.
2: Yeah.
1: It's amazing how, how, how the technology has improved in that short time.
0: Now, what separates the coronavirus from other viruses? I know every virus is different, but what, why is it called coronavirus?
1: Well, called, well the coronavirus is, is because it has those spikes that look like a crown. That's why mm-hmm. the, the name comes. Corona in Spanish means crown. Okay. So it's just the aspect, you know, the virologists use uh, the appearance of the virus when they look at it under the electron microscope to, to give a name sometimes. So what differentiates it from the other coronaviruses? I think is the way it, it, it evades the immune system. What makes the infection get to be a disease is, is mm-hmm. a balance. Right. The capacity of the infection agent to evade the immune system and the capacity of the immune system to keep it under control. Mm. So it's like a, it's like a swing. If you get infected with a high dose of the virus, the immune system cannot come up with it. And you die. You'll, you'll get the disease, not only the infection, but you get sick also. Mm. If the dose of the virus is less, I mean, if the infected people that you're with, you contact with them is short time or whatever,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. as somebody that is in contact with somebody all the time, the dose varies. So the way you, the immune system handles the dose will be different in different people, depending on the virus load that they get infected with. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it's, it's the, the way this virus evades the immune system is that it's very, very infectious.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. But uh, it's really funny because, for example, this this variant of the virus that is that is now making the news, that the virus already mutated. All viruses mutate all the time.
2: Right.
1: Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the majority of the mutations the virus makes are not viable, and they die. Mm. But some of them are better. Right. So they get selected by nature. How? Because they can. They can. Either be more infectious, or they ev- evade the immune system altogether.
0: So the virus in England um, has mutated, but it's it, you're more likely to get it, but it's not as strong as the the rest of the coronavirus. Is that it, or
1: no? The virus is 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 being associated with an increase in infections.
0: Okay,
1: they began to see that, that the more people were getting infected, so they look. Uh, I don't know, I think there are more than 1,000 coronaviruses that have been already sequenced as, as to its genetic material. And when you put those genetic codes in the computer, you get 1,000 different codes. So you can, you can compare them in the computer and see how many of them are different. There are many already different viruses. But when you get a mutation and, and somehow it makes the virus more infectious, then you would see more people getting infected as, as they were, let's say, a month ago. Mm. So you say, well, the more people are getting infected. Well, let's look at what, what the virus that is now we have. And what they find is that they, if they take a virus on 10 people, seven people will have exactly the same virus. Right. So that tells mm. you that that virus is being selected by nature somehow.
2: Mm.
1: And one of the ways it's being selected, uh, that that it is winning the the, the battle of the different viruses that are circulating, is its capacity to infect more people. So that is the way that this virus uh, evades the immune system. It's very infectious. But the changes it has made do not make it more lethal, which is the important thing. Yeah. Obviously, if it infects more people, also is important because more people that are susceptible with underlying conditions or old people will get infected. Mm. If there are more people infected, obviously, the chances of people that are susceptible to the virus being infected also goes up. Mm. The the changes that have been made in this virus so far do not uh, make it more lethal. And also, uh, it, it is not evading the the capacity of the vaccine to control it so far.
0: Okay. I, I read an article from the New Yorker a while back called the super virus. Have you heard of it?
1: Um, in relation to uh, what do they mean by super? No.
0: They, they said that this virus was unlike anything they've ever seen before. It was, it was something on the level towards Ebola. In fact, they, they, um, the couple couple cases they had in New York City, um, they had to remove, they, they had to bleach all the walls and they had to remove the tiles from the ceiling because they were so worried about this infection getting out and, and the devastation that it caused. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's, no. it was scary enough for I me. Mean, this is when Salome and I were living in, in the city. I just like, if this is in New York City, I'm out. <laughs> you, can, you, know, you can stay, I'm going. But I mean, viruses can get that lethal.
1: Uh, oh yes, yes, yeah. but you know it, it, it goes against them. Exactly. You know it's, right. it's, it's, it's 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 no business for the virus if it if it kills the host because the the way a virus survives is by keeping the host alive.
0: Yeah. And so yeah, know, Ebola
1: can... is a good example. I mean, all the all the SARS or the MERS viruses in the coronavirus family. Uh, were lethal, were a lot lethal than, than, than this one, but they killed the people and they, 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 they were not as infectious. Mm. So it's a trade-off, you know, you either right. kill or you infect and don't kill. So yeah. it, it, it's, a, it's a natural selection type of thing. The viruses survive. I mean, it, it's amazing. Uh, last time I heard and uh, read papers, uh, I think the last estimate is that for the bats, for example, that are being blamed for the coronavirus, the bats have more than 5,000 different types of coronavirus. Wow.
0: <laughs> now, and there's different types of bats around the world. So that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh. the the Asian bats would have 5,000 different types. It's, it wouldn't be here in the States or anything.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. no. The, 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 the quantity of viruses in the sea, for example, is amazing, it's in the billions. Mm. The Viruses are everywhere.
0: Yeah,
1: it, they're, they're you know the most primitive forms of life actually. And wow. Some people say they're not they're not really alive because they can't reproduce by themselves, so they have to infect cells to be able to to reproduce themselves. And it's it's an argument. Yeah, but no, they, you you won't get away from from the virus. Well, well. But but let me let me finish the, the story because the, oh, the, the, the fellow from, from, from uh, Sloan Catering. Mm-hmm. So I'm in Basel this time and, and, and Andre, this uh, Romanian fellow that worked with me, comes to me and he said, listen, there is a seminar coming uh, 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 at three o'clock. I was in the middle of an experiment and it's, uh, it's a postdoc from, from, from the lab of the Sloan Catering that was run by this doctor. And he says, and he's talking about the fact that he's broken the histocompatibility barrier. Mm-hmm. The tissues have antigens. So the reason why your kidney cannot be transplanted into me is because you have different antigens than me. Mm-hmm. And I recognize my immune system will recognize those antigens and destroy your kidney.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he says, So Andre says to me, This this guy from that lab in New York is coming and he says he's broken that 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 histocompatibility barrier. And all he does, he takes tissue, and he was talking about transplanting tissue, mm-hmm. and put it in in, in in a petri dish, in a dish in vitro with 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 a solution. And he leaves it there for X days. And during that time the tissues leak all the antigens and become a, a, a neutral type of tissue. And he can transplant it, and they don't get rejected. So I said, no. <laughs> it, it's not that simple. Anyway, I went to see the lecture, and he had mice that had chicken tissue with feathers. Hmm? Yes, And he had mice that were white with tissue, transplanted from black mice and so on and so forth and lots of pictures very little data
3: Hmm.
1: again when you publish something like that in jma the journal of american medical association Mm -hmm. which is probably one of the most prestigious medical journals in the world he published there he published this saying that he had broken the the histocompatibility barrier. So people began to go to his lab exactly like the one I told before to learn how to do that. And they couldn't repeat it.
2: Mm.
1: To make the story short, the postdoc that pre- that was the first author of that paper was caught in the animal room with a, with a pencil, black pencil making marks on White mice. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. I was published in the New York Times. So when you ask me, why did I come back to Honduras of being at that level of scientific field, it's not as pure as you think it is.
2: Mm.
1: So for me, that was, that was a, a disappointment to find that at that level in science that people still cheat. <sighs> That's true. That's true. And what what put the, the the last nail on the coffin is when I was debating whether I come back, I should come back to Honduras, and my father died. Mm-hmm. So and he died just a week before I was to present a, a paper in probably the most prestigious uh, place at that time, which is the new uh, uh, the uh, let's go. The, the head of the, the institute is, is James Watson, who, who, mm-hmm. who discovered DNA. Mm-hmm. And, and Cold Spring Harbor Cold Spring Harbor a, a Symposium, which is right there on Long Island. Mm-hmm. I got invited to that, to present the paper. That was probably the most prestigious invitation I ever got.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately, two days before that, I get a call from Honduras, and I'm in Switzerland ready to go to New York to present the paper and they tell me my father died. So, I, I I was publishing that paper with two of the collaborators. So, I told one of them, you have to present it. I can't go. I I can't go to Honduras and bury my father and then take a plane and go to New York the next day. I, I, won't, I can't do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because of the family, sure. the respect to the family and also my, 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 well-being. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. I
1: wasn't going to be very happy. Anyway, so I didn't go. And the paper was presented by my colleague. But there were maybe maybe 60 people invited to that conference. Of which now, of those 60 people, there are 10 Nobel Prize winners. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and like I said, it was my best. It was my, my crowning uh, yes. thing. I couldn't go. So when I got back, to, and, and from the Institute, there were only, of the 50 people we were there, there were only five of us invited.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So when I got back to Basel, about two weeks later, the, the Professor Yernin called me and said, "Umberto, I can't believe you didn't go to present your paper. And I said, Professor, I, said, I couldn't. You know.
2: mm-hmm.
1: My family, my father, you know, I, I didn't know anything. My father educated us uh, and didn't ask, didn't ask us or, or tell us what we should study. So obviously I studied something that had not much of a, a future in Honduras at that time. People thought right. I was crazy to have a PhD when I was 24 years old in 1969. Yeah. What, what are you What, what are you going to do with that in Honduras was the question they asked me. Anyway, so when I got back to Basel, I went to see him, and he said to me, Humberto, I understand all that family and stuff, but when you do science, it's like being pregnant—you do it or you don't do it. Whoa! And that impacted me. Whoa. That impacted me. That—that that to me meant you do science, and everything else gets the second place, including your family, including your son, including everything. And it's true. Yeah. At that level. You do science twenty four seven, twenty eight seven. You think of it, you leap with it. I, I I just thought I went to home and I ate, and I was thinking about the experiment I would do the next day. It consumes you. Yeah. So I said, "Do I is that the life I want when I'm sixty years
2: old?"
1: Mm-hmm. And I I, I couldn't. I couldn't say yes or no, I doubted it. So that's why I said, maybe I should go back to my country and see if what I know can be applied, okay? And that reward for that has been that now, I not only know a little bit about immunology, I know about tropical diseases, I know about this, I know about that. The, 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 the science background that I had was so strong that I could pick up a, a, a book in biology, obviously, and understand it. So I was able to adapt so well to my country because the, 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 the opportunities are, are huge. Mm-hmm. Okay, And then I, I, I was at the World Health Organization in Immunology of, of Tropical Diseases. I knew, I began to study about tropical diseases that I didn't even know existed.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice.
1: So the reward for that is that if, instead of knowing a little bit about it, something in immunology and know it to the bone, so mm-hmm. that I was competing with ten people, the knowledge got so much broader in so many other aspects of immunology that I think it's, it was the right decision.
0: Well, yeah, it paid off very much. Oh, I mean, yeah. Almost you yourself became a virus. You you got on a plane, went back to Honduras, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know you adapted into your new host, which was right. Which well, happened.
1: you know that is one mm-hmm. of the things that I think uh, maybe. Uh, people from the from, uh, developing world uh, have a great advantage. We can adapt. We have to adapt. Mm-hmm. We have to adapt. And, and the changes are coming. I mean, you know, when, when people criticize our country, saying that they are third world countries and so forth, you, you know, this year, in September 15, Honduras is going to be 200 years old mm-hmm. in independence. That's nothing. I ask you where was Europe to when it was two hundred years old you know, it, yeah. it's it's a young country half of the Honduran population are less than twenty years old, really yes uh-huh. we're nine million people, and four or five four and a half million people are younger than twenty years old it's a young country, yeah. It has, a, has a, all, you know, Latin America has a great potential. Oh, yeah. If we can educate our people and give them help, that's all we need. Yeah. That is a, is a fact. But, I, I,
0: you know, go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: No, no, no. It's, it's something that people say, you know, you, you, you're, you're underdeveloped. Of course, you know, you, we're a developing countries. But the, the the opportunities here are, you know, when I came back to Honduras, it, it was like going back to the future. Mm. You know, I, I knew exactly. <laughs> People began to tell me, "Well, we have this problem," and I said, "Well, that that has been solved someplace else, 20 times before." So let's just take all that information and do it. And look at look at technology, for example, we have uh, the grade advantage of being able to use all the technology, including this one, Mm -hmm. video conferencing. And we haven't invested one sentiment. It's our time. Yes. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, the developing process with all the technology at hand is going to be much, much shorter than it took you to get here in our country.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: We'll take less. Yeah. And and, and of course the people that are educated that would be uh, implementing that new technology, what worries me is that, and it's exactly what's happening in the States also, that the ones that have it and the ones that don't have it's getting broader and broader, Mm -hmm. that can't happen.
0: Yeah, that's definitely gonna be a challenge. I I wanna go back and ask, what would you do to, if, if you had the power to handle this virus, what would you do immediately? How would you, would you say everything shut down for three months and then <clears throat> let everyone get vaccinated, or how, how would you handle this?
1: No, not at this stage of the game, I think the only thing that, that that will get the virus under control is the vaccine, for sure, on the control. Or the other measures, the, the mask and the distancing and so on and so forth, that can keep down the number of people infected Yeah, considerably, considerably. But not it will not get rid of the virus. It will not stop the infection of the virus. Yeah. The only thing that will do is that less people will die, which is the really the tragedy in the U.S. Yeah. that so many people have died. But uh, right now, the only thing you can do is get the vaccines out there as soon as possible. Yeah. At this stage of the game, with the, the U.S. the lockdown and everything, it, it will make an impact, but a small impact. I think yeah. the the infection is so disseminated. And the I hear that one in three people in LA are infected. Mm-hmm. You can't stop that anymore. Yeah, one in fifty people are infected. It's it's very hard. You can stop it at the beginning, but you can't put out the fire when it's consumed the whole house already.
0: Yeah,
1: it, it's very hard. Yeah. So it will only be the vaccine. If that's going to come this year, uh, my guess is that it will take the whole year to get this virus under control. Wow. In some places, a little bit faster; in other places, less. In our case, for example, the hotspots are the the, the the you know the urban cities.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: People that are remotely they don't get infected unless they go to the big city. The virus yeah. will not get there so we we can get the virus under control much faster because if we concentrate on the urban population and vaccinate those that will get the the, the rate of infection down right away and the u s is a bit more difficult because you travel so much and and so on and so forth you know, and some states have some regulations and so you go from one state to the next and then you infect people it's, it's harder yeah it's harder that's why the u s you know it it's hard problems, but because of the idiosyncrasy of the people, that are being also, I made it different. I mean, people don't believe in masks. So,
0: it, you know, I, I, it drives me crazy because I we don't know if somebody told you, but I'm I'm a carpenter. Yeah. So we work with a guy whose wife is pregnant, and he, and he's the head he's the head foreman and stuff. So I work with ten other guys, and we all wear a mask because his wife is pregnant. We don't want her to get the infection. Right. So that's why we do it. We you know, who knows? We stay six feet away from him when we talk, and, and it's just out of being polite and respectful. Right. I just don't get how people can think this is a, a human rights thing, but it's invading your right. I
1: don't get it. Well, well, that's what I mean. And it's even worse when you make it a political issue. Right. <laughs> I I am so glad he's leaving. I am so no, glad. no, I, listen, you have In my opinion, you have now in the U.S. four political parties. Mm -hmm. Four. You have the Trumpists at the far right, and don't underestimate it. Of the 74 million people that voted for him, I would say 50 million are on that category. Trumpists. Mm -hmm. Then you have Republicans, which are the ones that voted for him, but are not Trumpists. Okay, Those people will have to dissociate from him because this guy is crazy. Okay? That, that is already happening. Mm-hmm. And in the Democratic Party, you have Biden, which is center-left. And then you have Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez on the other side. Okay, So you have both parties actually divided.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One too much to the right, and the other one too much to the left, and the other two more or less in the middle. Yeah. You have a divided country. Yeah. And it will take a lot, a lot of convincing. And I think the the, the the vaccine can do it. The virus can do it. Because I think this guy will come with a program that would show that when you guys get together and decide to go in one direction, you win. It's true. As long as you don't. And And I think people, even the people that say they don't want to get vaccinated, when they see that the people that are getting vaccinated don't get sick, they will
2: yeah
1: it might take yeah. a, lo- a little bit longer, but yeah. if they will, unfortunately, in that process, more people will die. That shouldn't be. imagine now, I could see you know dying from something when the vaccine came you know 10 years later, 20 years later. But people are dying, and you already have a vaccine. yeah so you, you think to- I would just buckle down and wait a little bit longer, sacrifice myself a little bit longer. Uh, because I would, I don't want to die now. Because the vaccine is already here.
0: Right. I mean, last week we had four thousand people die. That's almost the same number as nine eleven. That's almost the same number, and and nobody's blinking an eye about that. Nobody's getting upset by that. That's what concerns me. It takes a, a catastrophe. People take you know a building fall down. Granted, that obviously that catches anybody. It makes any anything traumatic. But to just ignore the fact that 4,000 people died in one day, it's crazy.
1: No, but, but, you know, he said it, and people sort of shrugged it. When they asked him about that, what he said was, it is what it is. <sighs> it, <sighs> it, that's what he said, meaning, eh, so that's what's happening. So what? It is what it is. It's like, it, like we all have to die. It is what it is. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's amazing. And so that got impregnated into the people. People began to realize that being normal when it isn't normal. That's so okay. strange. No, no. It's amazing. It, you, yeah. you, this guy, like you said, uh, November 2019, He would have, I, I, I would have said the same thing. There's no way that guy can lose.
3: Yeah.
1: This put him against the wall, and you realize now with 400 people dead, the incompetence that this guy brought to the White House. Yeah. Even the people that he surrounded himself with, look how many people that work with him are saying terrible things about him now. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they saw the monster face to face. They were not impressed. They, they just majority of them are saying, God, this guy is not." And when you have 100 plus people in in Congress and a few senators saying that he won the election, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, you know, that has done here so much, so much bad for the U.S. Because, you know, the U.S. democracy is what we look up to. And when you do things, you do things that we've been doing for a long time and even do even worse things. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it, it it doesn't help. It doesn't help us because you, you, you need a standard. You need something to look up to. And when that is gone, then there are no more rules of the game as to democracy is concerned, you know. So to me, I, I, t- I tell you, I think the, the, the very peculiar thing is happening in the U.S., that the minority is actually ruling the majority.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You see it in the, in the electoral college against the popular vote. You see it in the district thing uh, that the Republicans are making. They are the minority, but they are ruling.
2: Yeah.
1: You see it in the Supreme Court. So, yeah. so it's, 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 it's interesting
0: have you heard of a uh, uh, um, congressperson uh, Corey Bush see? yeah right she's amazing she is yeah. amazing yeah. I mean that's the kind of person I want to see representing the states you know well, not not somebody who had a silver spoon in their mouth you know somebody who actually lived life and, and she's given back to the community that's the kind of person I want to see in office right you know more 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 people like that because that's bringing common sense to a lot of people I mean do you do you believe that health care is a human right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Health and education. Yeah. They should be available to everybody. I don't know whether that's a definition of human right, but yes.
0: The Republicans are calling it, it like it's not a human right. And that's why we're referring to that in the States. It's like, some people argue if it's a human right or not, and to me, it's like it's to what we say here in the states. A no brainer. Of course, it's you. For me, it's you. I mean, healthcare has changed my life. Obamacare has changed my life. You know, it got sure. me to a better, better state, a better place where I'm able to work and get back on my feet again. Um, yeah, it helped me out quite a bit. So you, you hear a lot of people on the right say it's not.
1: Like I said, it's semantics. Okay, semantics. Mm-hmm. When, when, when they say that, you know, I, my question to them is, well, put yourself in the shoes of somebody that doesn't have insurance and is sick. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that is a human right? Should you have access to that type of care? Yeah, it's uh, semantic. Th- that I say, is, uh, uh, the, the, that's why communism is, is so appealing to people, because when people have nothing to lose and you offer them what everybody should have which is a, a basic education and health care they they win them over and then the problem is that once they give those things that are right in my opinion then they take away your capacity of you know being creative because mm-hmm. you have to mold with everybody else and that's not possible
2: yeah
1: so they give you they give you like we say here they give you a little bit of sugar in your finger, and it's sweet, but uh, doesn't last very long. No, a basic education and a basic health system is is a right. Yes, and then you give that to people, and let people fly after that, and make themselves the best person they can be, being entrepreneur, being science, being whatever. And the problem with communism is that doesn't allow you to do that. Doesn't doesn't allow you to be the best person you can be. You have to be the best mediocre person you can be. Yeah, and that goes against human nature. But unfortunately, with the with the carrot of giving them health and basic education, the majority of the people that have nothing bite,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then they yeah. get then they get under the you know, it, it's a problem. I I can't understand really. Uh, for one thing, you know, the people in the States, I think now are beginning to realize that the Latin American population that now is, is a good percentage of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, are different. Yeah. I mean, the, the Cubans from Cuba and the Mexicans from California have nothing in common. No. They are very different people. Well, maybe nothing in common is not, it's not right, but they have a lot of differences,
2: mm-hmm.
1: especially the Cubans that came from the, the Castro remembers it. Like I said, you know, they're powerful. I can't understand why, like I told you before, why the U.S. has relations with Vietnam and not with Cuba. I mean, Vietnam killed 45,000 Americans. The Cubans haven't killed 45,000 Americans. So, but the Cubans, the company, this guy Rubio, yuck, you know, it's hopeless. (laughs) You're being nice. (laughs) (laughs) It's hopeless. And that's the Cubans in Miami. Uh, Trump has a big following in in, in that region. Really? Oh yeah, but the, uh, in Miami-Dade County this year, uh, Trump got almost twenty percent more votes than he did in, in wow. two thousand sixteen. Oh wow. no, a lot of people voted. A lot of a lot of black. Uh, to my surprise, a lot more blacks and a lot more Latin voted for Trump this time than they did last time. Wow. Well, wow. no, it, you know that has no boundary. This, the this, that guy is a cult. Remember mm-hmm. those guys in California and, and Guyana that, that, that... Oh, uh, Jim Jones? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. the, the type of person. The, those people are susceptible to that. And it's tied up with religion. You yeah. saw a lot of Jesus uh, say signs in, in, in the Capitol.
0: Yes, yes. And that's the thing. I'm so glad you brought it up because... No, what, it, what... it's
1: amazing. It's amazing. It goes together. It's a cult. Yeah, And the guy said it from the beginning. That's what I don't understand. He said it, I can shoot somebody in Fifth Avenue.
0: And get away with it. Yeah, yeah. he
1: said it. And said that's it. his mentality for Charles. He, he he actually thought he could get this with assault on the Capitol and get away with it. And get away with it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he thought that that he could turn that election around. He really thought that. Oh, yeah. Because he's always no, the the, the 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 guy has a capacity of, of living two worlds. Mm-hmm. Too identical. When he, when it's convenient, he he goes to one, and when it's inconvenient, he goes to the other. The guy is pathological. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. He's he's nuts. He's <laughs>
0: really nuts. No.
1: Yeah, yeah. But you know, he got to be president of your country, so it means that people voted him in. Yeah. If if you had elected him again, that that would have been because then I, I had no 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 way of saying that it is Trump. No, it's the U.S. Mm-hmm. away. Yeah, the majority.
0: Yeah, it, it just it just blows my mind that he could have been elected again, and this and and after seeing how he handled how he handled the coronavirus, it was just how could you even think about voting for him again? I mm-hmm. I really was hoping it would be a landslide for Joe Biden, and it wasn't. It was close.
1: No, no. the seventy-four people voted for him. Yeah, Biden got got seven eight million more votes, which is a lot, but not much. A lot of people voted for him, like I yeah. said. So the you have to deal with those people, and those people are there to stay. They're not going away.
0: Well, when you mentioned religion before, it's like I, I, sh- I showed Salome a video of this guy named Kenneth Copeland. Are you familiar with him? Ken? Uh, Kenneth Copeland?
1: No, no.
0: Talk about crazy. He makes Trump look sane, and he's a pastor. He's a pastor in a very, very popular church in Texas. This guy has not one but two private jets. Of course, he doesn't have to pay tax on them because religion doesn't get taxed. But here this guy, he was saying that, oh, Joe Biden is, is gonna become the president of the United States. And he starts like insanely laughing. And then he do- goes into this rendition where he, he takes a big inhale and he goes, I blow you away, coronavirus, I blow you away. People are showing up for him. Yes, look it up on YouTube. It is insane, Kenneth Copeland. It is insane. And this guy is a multimillionaire. He doesn't he doesn't, didn't encourage people to wear a mask in, in his church and stuff. It's like, uh, no wonder we're going. I mean, but this is if I were to become president, this is the first thing I would do. I would tax religion. It's like, if you're not willing to separate church and state, which was agreed upon years ago, then you should be taxed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. Yeah. yeah but this is, you know, these are the, the, what the Republicans say, you know, all those ideas are. Are leftists that are socialists are communists, yeah. Yeah, Do I mean, the the Fox news night after night tells you if you want communism, vote democrat, if you want socialism, you vote democrat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, it's a scary tactic, and people don't, don't you know, they say if you want the U.S. to be like Venezuela. Well, in whose mind do you think that the U.S. could ever be this Well, I don't know. Right,
0: exactly. exactly. But people,
1: but people believe, it, like you say. No, no, you have enough people to to to, to follow that, that craziness, and now it's, it's here to stay because with the with the social media, you know, anybody can say anything practically, mm. yeah. and, and they, they can't censor censor that under the other right mm. free speech. Right. Yeah, I'm surprised that they they finally took uh, Trump sure. out of the
2: yeah.
1: tweet yeah uh but a lot of people are complaining because you know you do it with one you could do it with whoever you want uh, the the separation line there is like a like a spider web, you know very thin
0: i mean no, if it, no, if, no, no, if no, someone yeah. were to take me down that that's one thing, but Trump has access to nuclear codes, I'm sorry i am I'm, I'm a free speech nut, and I don't believe in censoring anybody, but for him, I believe it because he had he has access codes to nuclear weapons like he he did, <laughs> yes. you know he can't he can't like tell people to go like you know this was an outrage like no this it's a one time I agree with censorship. It's a one time I agree with yeah. taking down an account uh, but I have two more questions for you. first okay. is um the caravan from honduras to to America. Um, you know, we hear things in the States, you know, multi- many different stories from many different news sources. From, from what happened from your point of view, well, from what I, what I heard from Marta was that there was um, radio ads or TV ads saying to come up to the States and there was opportunities up here, just come to the border and we'll get you a job. Is, is that, um, what happened?
1: Oh, yes, yes. I mean, uh, that is, uh, that has uh, both a political motivation it did now now it doesn't anymore but at the beginning it did uh, people that were against our government uh, began to 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 facilitate and to be able to again lie to people uh, just like trump lies about the election not being fairly won mm-hmm. they were given they say well we'll give you money and they did at the beginning begin to give them money and the other aspect is that it uh, you know it it, it There are people that are instigating this type of thing and and getting some profit out of it, Mm -hmm. be it politically or otherwise. Uh, It doesn't doesn't make sense, okay? Mm -hmm. If you want to go illegally into the U.S., the worst thing you can do is get yourself into a caravan of thousands of people because that that would get your attention. The The people that go undocumented to the U.S., they do it in small bunches. Trickling, mm-hmm. so it's it's politically motivated. Uh, whether whether now it's impossible because tr- Trump w- what he did is muscle Mexico and Guatemala because that's that's the thing. uh of, you know, not only Honduras but from El Salvador, Nicaragua, and even South America used to come through Honduras to go through to the states. So uh, now because of the Trump uh, muscling. The borders of Guatemala with Honduras and Guatemala with Mexico—one will not let him pass.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So that is that is gone, and I think that that massive migration—I don't think that you, t- you will see that uh, too soon. Also, well, and you hear it with the pandemic in the U.S. being what it is, not very attractive to to migrate to the United States right now. No. Also, no. okay. Right. So we—the joke is that 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 Mexico is thinking about put in the wall to keep them away so they don't bring more virus into Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. But, but no, it was motivated and it was, it was organized.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not well organized, but organized. I mean, just like mm-hmm. the Capitol. I think that thing was organized someplace. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to have so many people together there without providing transportation of some kind. Somebody's paying for something along yeah. the line.
0: Um, did you hear about the virus in in Barcelona, that they got rid of?
1: No, no,
0: Bartoméu. Bart Bartoméu. Bart,
1: ah. <laughs> is, is he gone now? He's sure, gone. No?
0: He's gone. Oh, he's gone. Oh, thank think Santo's Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They they but, you know they, they get get together. Money money buys players and. And those, those teams uh, buy the best players. You need a, you need a good organization for sure.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And a good coach. A good coach. Mm-hmm. They, what do you should, think of Komen? Well, he's, he's the old guard, I think, in football. He's been long, uh, around for a long time.
0: Yeah.
1: The, the new, the avant-garde in, in coaches now are, are, in my opinion, are basically in England now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the, the English league now, in my opinion, is probably the best in the world, yeah. very competitive. They, they have a problem, but not the problem. But the reality is, Spain it is that it's a two-team country. That's it. Yeah, yeah. they have by far the most money. So, you, in England, they have rules of the game that that I think they regulate uh, much like the you know the, the draft and the state that tries to make competition a bit more playing field. Yeah, yeah, if you if you let the people that have the money do the Hiring the, the the teams will will always be the same. So, yeah. but uh, but yes, I mean Barcelona is, is 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 going. It happens. It goes up and down. Yeah. But the structure. I think I mean, the big question is what's going to happen after Messi leaves. They you have think he's be- going to leave? Oh yeah. I mean sooner or later. Yeah. I think I think he's got he's beginning to think about his future now for sure. He's got some very attractive offers from the, from the American Football League for Miami, for example. Yeah. I think uh, money-wise, it, it will be very difficult to beat that and have a, you know, a, 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 like, like uh, the, the English fellow Beckman.
0: Beck, yeah.
1: He's made a lot of money. He's made more money out of, out of football than he did in football. So the the smart players do that. Look at Michael Jordan. No, they yeah. They, yeah. they get out of the game on time and 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 they do their business and so forth. So Barcelona will come around.
0: Have you been to a game?
1: Uh, no, 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 no. <gasps> uh, to Barcelona, I I went to the to the uh, to the stadium, but it was in the off season. We were traveled to Barcelona the last time. Yeah. I have to be it's one of the one of the things I want to do eventually. Go to a game.
0: Well, I have an in, so I can get us tickets. So Good. Yeah. I mean if any time you you and Salome or you and I, yeah. you know, four of us want to go and head over to Barcelona, let me know. True. Very good. But, I mean, I um, one one more question before you go. How did you how did, why did you pick Barcelona? How come Barcelona was uh, the team for you?
1: I like the city. When I was in Basel, I went about three times. To the University of Barcelona to give lecture,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I I, I travel to Barcelona and I like the I like the the atmosphere, the bohemic atmosphere, the intellectual atmosphere. Yeah, uh, I the very friendly people. So I I I like the city. That's why, yeah. basically.
0: You've been to the um, Sagrada Familia.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's, it's just breathtaking.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, and uh, there's a, a lot of places to visit in barcelona we were there for last time for about a week and, and we did a good part of it but you need to be there for a while to be able to to really enjoy the city yeah one of the problem is that it's gotten much much more touristy than i knew it then yeah in in the, in the 70s and 80s it was a lot more relaxed yeah now you get tourists all over the place
0: yeah, because my friends there, they said don't go there in the summertime because it's just yeah, so no, many it's tourists. too much. It's right. too much. Yeah.
1: Well, I okay, great. So let, let me know how the the editing uh, looks like. Okay. We'll do. We, I, we ramble quite a bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you're a very interesting guy. Good. I got I got yeah. like uh you know like fifty other questions about you, but you know yeah. maybe some other time. Good. But, uh, yeah, but I really appreciate your time very much. Well, and, and,
1: and hopefully your information
0: will, will help other people out with any questions they, they may have. So
1: Very yeah, good. Thanks a lot. Good talking to you. And to you as well. Good. Thank you very much. Bueno. Uh, adios. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to our website, thefullpodcast.com, and follow us. We'd appreciate your support. More episodes are soon on their way.